Take a $100,000 property. If you simply leverage it at 75%, so you're putting 25% down, you're getting a bank financing for the other 75%, you take 10% return and you turn it into a 40% return and literally nothing changed. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant here. Going to lay down some good, good real estate stuff today, folks. Good stuff. Yes. So stay tuned for sure till the end of the show because we've got a lot to lay on you today. I was just talking to Brendan in our office this morning, and Heather doesn't know this. We've talked about this before, but Heather and I basically jump on here. We have a topic, and we just talk about it. She has completely no clue what I'm going to say right now, Just sometimes I think very scary for Heather. It's a little fun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I was talking to Brendan this morning. He was saying he was talking to a client, and the client initially was wanting a ridiculous return, like ridiculous. So on a rental property. They wanted like 35, I don't know, 4,000, something like that cash flow. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that is literally impossible on a house. I mean, you're not going to get that. Yeah. They were probably talking about like gross rents, but then no, they weren't talking about gross rents. But anyway, long story short, when it came right down to it, the actual return that they wanted wasn't ridiculous. Hmm. And I think it's because there are so many terms There are so many ways to calculate. There are so many calculators. There are so many people out there teaching how to do real estate that it gets really confusing. And I think people, they're speaking a different language and they don't think they are. Yeah. So today, we're going to clarify the full returns. We're going to clarify how they're calculated and we're going to clarify what returns really are in the real estate world. And let's start, Heather, by just talking about why you're not going to get $3,500 or $4,000 of cash flow a month on a single house. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I've had several interactions this week with all the different calculators like you talked about. And just understanding, like verifying income and expenses is the first step to really breaking down your cash flow. So making sure that you're not just using a calculator that generalizes taxes across the country is a general term. Yeah. If you didn't know, taxes are different all over the place. Yes. And very different. Extremely different. For instance, I'll give you one that I did not know. I bought a property in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee, if you buy an actual Memphis proper, like not one of the little towns on the outskirts, But actually in Memphis, you get to pay city tax and county tax. You get two property tax bills, Hmm. which is super fun. Super lucky. (laughs) If all you're looking at is the county taxes, you are going to wildly underestimate your taxes. Yeah. And then, Heather, I think what you were talking about was wildly Mm -hmm. overestimating taxes, right? Yeah, because some areas of the country, taxes are very high. Like you have Texas that doesn't have a state income tax, if I remember right. Correct. And so they have really high real estate taxes. And so if you live there and that's your experience, then sometimes you think, well, I'm going to look at a property in Oklahoma and I'm going to apply what I know about my taxes in Texas, right? So making sure that you know your numbers and you can look at 
ways that they calculate taxes in individual counties online. There are resources for you there. So you can get more accurate numbers than just a calculator number for a nationwide tax number. So that's just one example. But you know, getting an insurance quote isn't super difficult and understanding your numbers on the expense side. Rents, we verify all of our rents through a property manager. And sometimes new construction will even verify with two different or three sometimes property managers, especially if they vary widely, then we're going to go to more sources. That's not always foolproof, right? Yeah. You can ask a property manager in June about rents and December is going to be a different answer. <laughs> yeah. And depending on the market, mm-hmm. because in Florida in December is a completely different than the Midwest in December. Mm-hmm. So not to overcomplicate this, but a calculator is just a tool and it is only as good as the inputs that you put into it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're using a calculator and it has automated calculations in there for you, like for taxes and things like that. That's dangerous. And it's dangerous on both sides. You could be walking past good deals from a cash flow perspective because you've inflated all of the costs to a point where they're absurd. And you could be in trouble on the other side because you under underflated. Yeah. I like that. Underflated. Underestimated. <laughs> hey, if George Bush can make up words, I can make up words, right? Don't misunderestimate me. <laughs> Misunderestimate. That's a George Bush word, misunderestimate, in case you guys, yeah. I know, I remember. So first, having your income and expenses as accurate as you can make them, right? Uh That is going to yield your cash flow number. So your rental income minus your monthly expenses, it's usually an annualized number. So I typically am running it monthly and then annualizing it. But you can obviously take annual numbers to calculate all of that to understand what the cash flow is going to be on a monthly basis or an annual basis. And then you have your first of our four rates of return. I feel like we need like a drum roll or some kind of... Like a ding. I mean, I have a cowbell in here. I could ring the cowbell. <laughs> yeah, make that happen. <laughs> so You are a Missouri boy. Yeah. So a couple of things on the cash flow. People make mistakes. Okay. So don't you make this mistake. Gross rent is not the same as cash flow. Yes. We hear this all the time. That is true. What's your cash flow on the property? 3500 Yeah. And then the follow-up question, is that after your expenses like taxes and your mortgage? Oh, no, 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 no. That's the rent. Okay. Well, that's, that is not your cash flow. Okay. And the second place people make mistake is the difference between a cap rate and cash flow. So a cap rate is the same calculation. It's just done without debt service because it's done on your net operating income. And your net operating income, well, debt isn't an operating expense. It's not an operating expense. So it's after. If you have debt on a property, you have to take the debt payment off. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that would give you your cash flow. If you don't have debt on the property, then your cash flow is equal to your cap rate. Yep. That is your cap rate is figured from your cash flow, which is what your net operating income is. I hope that wasn't super confusing. Well, I think a good way to explain it too is it's kind of an equalizer, right? Because you have different markets, different times when you're buying with interest rates being high versus low. You have investors maybe who have poor credit versus investors with better credit. And so if we're going to look at a property and say, well, this is the current financing on a property, that wouldn't be a realistic picture because you have varying interest rates and varying people who qualify for those interest rates. So it's the great equalizer. It's a great way also to understand the difference 
that leverage makes mm-hmm. positive or negative. True. Because in today's market, I mean, if you're still getting a seven and a half to an eight and a half percent interest rate and your cap rate is at six, you have a negatively levered property. Yep. It's going to be better for you to pay cash than it is for you to finance. So it's really good for you to figure that out as well. Yeah. Anyway, not to overcomplicate cash flow, it's basically income minus expenses. And in this scenario, if you have debt, all expenses, including that mortgage payment, that is your cash flow. That's what's left over. Now, if your number is negative after you do all of those calculations, then you have a negatively cash flowing property. And if you do, and you live in one of the markets where you have an enormous amount of equity in the property, you have the option to make all of that equity positive cash flow instead of negative cash flow. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just think that you buy investment property for the gain over time. Mm -hmm. That's literally why you buy it. And negative cash flow is just part of the process, but it doesn't have to be that way. And we educate people all the time on that. Yeah. So if you're sitting with a property that just takes money out of your pocket every single month, but it has equity in it, you can reposition that equity and you can turn it into cash flow positive numbers. All right. Yeah, it's exciting. I think that's something that I've explained quite a few times in the last 30 days to lots of new investors. That equity is real money, but you have to either refinance or sell the property, right? To realize that equity, but it's real. And so when you look at your cash flow, that annual cash flow, and you divide it by how much you would profit if you sold the property, that's your return on equity, right? So how much you're making versus the equity in the property. And that percentage just drops and drops and drops if your property continues to go up in value and the rent stays the same or your your cash flow stays the same. By the way, that's a great problem. Yeah, for sure. Because the solution to that problem is more cash flow and a higher rate of return mm-hmm. by simply selling that property or cash out refinancing and buying more property. So the solution is a fun, it's not painful, it's a fun one mm-hmm. and it can be done. Anyway, that's the first of four returns. What's the second one, Heather? Well, I guess it depends on which order you're going in, Ron. But Well, just pick. I'm letting you pick. <laughs> well, we'll do an easy one next. This is the sexy one that everyone knows about oh. and it's your appreciation. I like that one. And we just started talking about that because we were talking about people who have a ton of equity in their property. Heather, they get that equity because of? Well, appreciation. Appreciation. (laughs) So you have your property going up in value and it can be due to things that you do, right? You can fix up the property and add value to the property that way. But most of the time, it's just a product of the market. Your property goes up in value over time. That's what I like to call a market gift, everybody. Mm -hmm. And when the market gives you a gift, you unwrap the gift. Yes. <laughs> you take the gift. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> you don't hand it back to the people and say, I couldn't possibly. I couldn't. This is way too generous. No, you take the gift, mm-hmm. right? And if you open it up and it was super generous, you simply say, thank you. Yeah. You take it. That's what you do, right? Take the gift. Yep. I think that's why real estate builds more accredited investors. I mean, man, it's so much faster to become an accredited investor or have higher asset or earning potential in real estate because of that alone, right? I mean, you have four rates of return, but your property goes up in value. You can reposition it. Like you said, Ron, grow your passive income. Oh, it's like the best gift ever. It's so beautiful. And how do you multiply appreciation? Well, you have more properties. But only on one property. If the appreciation rate is 10%, okay? How do I get a higher return 
than 10%. Yeah, you leverage the property. You leverage the property. Yeah. Gosh, I'm in absolute love (laughs) with what that does. I mean, take a $100,000 property, right? And if you simply leverage it at 75%, so you're putting 25% down, you're getting a bank financing for the other 75%, you take that 10% return and you turn it into a 40% return and literally nothing changed. Yep. Now, Ron, how in the world is that possible? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm getting excited. Yeah, (laughs) this is exciting. So explain it, Heather, because a lot of people stumble over this somehow. Yes, it's true. And wake up four years later and you've got all this equity and you forget that you've only put $25,000 into the property, not $100,000. Yes, because a return is calculated by how much you invested in the property. So if I put $25,000 down and I gained an appreciation of $25,000, $100,000 property, that's 100%. Mm-hmm. It's awesome because you have someone else's money that you're leveraging in an inflationary market. I mean, that's not even one of the four rates of return we're going to talk about today, but... That's a sneaky one. That's a sneaky return. I know. We'll talk about it when we talk about debt reduction. We'll just throw it in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. So we'll skip, we'll kick the can down the curb for a second. But if you're calculating your appreciation, if I have had a $25,000 appreciation gain and I only invested $25,000, right? I mean... That's the part that people get confused on because they look at the purchase price and say, well, the property is $100,000 that only went up $25,000 and ignore the fact that they didn't invest the full $100,000. Yeah. And the math is super simple. So if you're driving right now, don't do the math unless you can do it in your head. Okay. But if you have your phone handy and you're not driving, then you can do the math with me. Okay. If you have a $100,000 property and you got a 10% appreciation this year, that's $10,000. 100,000 times 10% is $10,000. Okay. So $10,000, if you invested, if you paid cash, then that would be your return. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you invested 25,000, you made 10. So you simply divide 10,000 by the money that you put into the property, which is 25,000. And it gives you a fraction 0.4. That's 40% on your money because you got 40% of $25,000 back in one year. That's a 40% return. Now you take that 40% return and what we're going to talk about is stacking. We're going to stack returns. So in the weightlifting world, there's all these stacks. You stack all these different things, all these different chemicals that you probably shouldn't put in your body. You stack all these things. And if you get the right stack, it has a really big effect on your stamina and your muscle pump and all these things. It's the same thing. In investing, there's not very many investments where you can stack returns like this. We're going to talk about four returns and five with the little sneaky one we're going to talk about. But we've now talked about two. Let's say that your cash on cash return is, I don't know, 7%. Okay. Now we just got 40% that we're going to add to it. Let's cut it in half and be super conservative. So we only got 5% appreciation. Okay. So we got a 20% return. That's 27% return. And we've only stacked two. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Yeah. So much more because this is really cool. One of the things that we talked about in a recent show was that there's all of these myriad of reasons why investing in real estate is so much better than any other investment. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of those is someone is literally, not figuratively, literally paying off your mortgage for you every month, month after month. Somebody's going to be like, 
yeah, but there's vacancies, Ron. I'm like, okay, so we missed two or three months. You had to pay it. And then they start paying it again. No other investment does a person just put their hand up and say, hey, I want to pay your mortgage plus give you a little bit of cash. Nobody does that. Yeah, it's true. Except for in real estate. They do it over and over and over again. They volunteer to pay your payment and to give you a little bit of cash just for your trouble. And you're helping them out. Like you're doing them a favor to do that for you. Right. To For them, I mean. Sorry. And for you. <laughs> Unless you're a slumlord and then shame on you. Yeah, true. So really cool thing about, and I say it's cool. It would be super cool if it was the other way around. The amortization schedule works where you paid off all of the principal first, but that's not the way they work. You pay off the interest first. And the longer you have the note, the more principal you pay off. So in the first year, what is it? Around three to 4%, Heather? Yeah. So you get another three to 4% just from principal reduction, which increases your equity again, because somebody's paying down debt and your property's appreciating in value. So both of those things are going opposite directions and they're creating an equity spread. Okay. Well, if we just isolate that, Ron, that's better than you can make in like, your checking savings, like 3% is not like some small number. Well, I mean, I'm getting five now. I'm not. But still, it's pretty good because it's not all by itself. But even if it were by itself, it's pretty good in normal market conditions that we've been in for the last, I don't know how many decades, it would be really good, way better than the bank. Right now, banks are giving you a lot of more money than that. Well, some of them, just because, I mean, they can lend it out at nine. Yeah. I just talked to my banker today, commercial lines, unless you're getting like a Freddie Mac or something like that, some institutional line, Prime is still at eight and a half. So there's still a spread. They take your money, give you four or 5%, and they lend it out at Prime. Anyway, they lend it out 10 times at Prime. Don't get me started on the banks either. Okay. So you get this three to 4% happens every single year, except for year two, it goes up, year three, it goes up, year four, it goes up. So it is an increasing over time rate of return. Yeah. So now, even if we use the low number, we're at 30%. Yeah. So we had cash flow was a 7% return. We had appreciation, which the appreciation rate, again, was only five. We didn't go out of control on the appreciation rate. So only five, but the return was 20, you recall. Okay. Yeah. And then we had another three. That's 30%. And we're not done stacking. Yeah. And we were going to insert here too that you have typically a 30-year fixed loan in an inflationary market where inflation is higher than the interest you're paying mm -hmm. most of the time. And so you have a little spread in there that your money is not losing like it would be if it was sitting in the bank. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is people get hung up on the rates being, you know, quote, high right now, which they're really not. They're normal now. But let's just go with the high, okay? They have been on the high side earlier in last year when they were seven and a half. Well, even if you'd have gotten a seven and a half percent mortgage and now they're around six, well, you could just refinance. Yeah. And if you have a fixed loan for 30 years, the bank is stuck with that loan. So all the loans that the banks made at 3%, they're stuck with those loans moving forward. It doesn't make any difference that the interest rates are now eight. Mm -hmm. Those loans are fixed for 30 years. The bank's stuck with it. Yep. And if you get a rate at six and a half and the interest rates go down this year to five and a half, which I don't think they will, but if they do, you can refinance. And then the bank's stuck with a five and a half percent loan instead of a six and a half percent loan. Yep. So it's a really, really cool deal because I don't think that inflation's really going to get under control in the near term. I mean, they say that it is, but I mean, 
I was just talking to my wife this morning. We got our third notice for increase from our insurance company. She's like, why is the inflation rate? I mean, the inflation rate is supposed to be coming down. Why is insurance going up so much? And I just said, look, it's because all of the things that they've insured, the price of all of that has gone up. So if you have a loss, well, the loss was based on what it was when you bought the insurance. Now the prices to repair any of those lost items mm-hmm. has gone through the roof. Yep. And insurance companies are taking these losses and they're like, we can't do this anymore. We have to raise the rates. Now everybody's rates. It's like everything that we felt at the grocery store and all these places, right? We felt all of that. And now we're feeling the effects after the fact. Like the insurance is an after effect. Yeah. That's why it's still going up. And again, they don't put all of that stuff in the inflation rates, right? They're not even counting that. Well, the last rate of return, Ron, that we'll talk about is one of the main reasons. I mean, a lot of people invest just for this reason alone. I know. It's depreciation. (laughs) And honestly, it shouldn't be the only reason you invest in real estate. We've talked about all of the stacking, but it is a pretty big one. Yeah. I mean, what other investment do you get to just not pay taxes when you have a dividend? I mean, it's kind of crazy, but I mean, unless your property is cash flowing so staggeringly well, you shouldn't pay taxes on the cash flow that you're getting on the dividend portion of the stack. It's pretty cool. Which if you're making hand over fist and cash flow, then good on you. Good on you. Buy another property and use it to write off against <laughs> that one. Right? So. Exactly. It's really, really cool. You get to write off your property over 27 and a half years, which is 3.63% per year. So again, Kind of like the mortgage reduction. It's a small number. 3.63 is not a huge number, but it's stacked up. We're at almost 34%. Find me something else that is as boring as real estate. And yet exciting. How is it exciting and boring at the same time? But it is. I mean, I'm thinking, man, it should be doing something. Well, it is, as you're providing housing for people who need housing. Mm -hmm. But unless there's a problem at your property, the money gets sent to your bank and you see it there and you get your reports from your property management company and everything else just kind of happens. And then you wake up three, four years later and you're like, holy crap, my property's worth this. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. That's kind of how this works. And then you, you, if you actually put all the numbers in there, it'll be a substantial double digit return. That's just how it works. Yeah. Because your tax reduction at a 25% tax bracket is, I think every time is 2.72% yeah. rate of return. So Unless you cost segregate your property, which we've talked about before, that's not the purpose of this show, so we won't dwell on it. But you can accelerate that depreciation and you can take substantially more than that the first year, which means Mm -hmm. it would potentially be higher than that if you could actually use that against your your active income. Yeah. Which if you can do that, it becomes something completely other. It is ridiculous what you can do. Yep. But those four returns, my gosh. I mean, we could dumb that example down. You could cut everything we just said in half. I mean, it's still over a 16% return. That you can't really get anywhere else. Well, no, not can't really. You can't. Tomorrow, I'm going to be on a radio show, and we're going to talk about what happens when things go wrong. Mm. Maybe we should do a show on that. That'd be a really good show. But what happens when things go wrong? Let's say that this year, you have to put double into the property because you have all these problems, whatever, and you didn't get any cash flow. You're not going to get any cash flow next year because you spent all that money too. Just take the cash flow number out. Just take it out. Yeah. Okay. It's true. It's still better than everything else. I mean, I don't want you to have to take your cash flow up. Just do it. The numbers are still staggering. Yep. I've been the poster child for that this last year. So. Yeah. 
I mean, I got another insurance thing. Like if you listen to the fire episode, I now have a pipe burst episode that we could do. (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing. (laughs) We are not immune. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody thinks that if you do real estate and you have a podcast and you help other people do real estate, that nothing bad happens to you. It only happens to other people. Yeah. And I want you to know that that is not the case. I was just talking to Heather the other day and she was like, man, this property. I mean, you get to the point where you want to put your hands around some properties and just strangle the life out of them and punch them in the throat. Yes. And then you step back, you look at your whole portfolio and you go, eh, all right, it's just not that bad. Yep. It's the advantage of that holistic view and the holistic picture. And I think these four rates of return really help round out a holistic picture on what's really happening to ground you in times when you're frustrated. Has for me. I mean, I think people invest in stocks occasionally. Like I invested in some Bitcoin stuff. It wasn't really Bitcoin. I bought some of the crappy ones that people were buying. You know, like I own Shiba Inu and now you're laughing out there. You're steering into the other lane because you're like, why in the world did he buy Shiba Inu? I might not even pronouncing that right. But I get all the time. I like I look at the thing and I'm like, that's the dumbest thing ever. And I'd like to choke the life out of it because it's stupid. It goes up and then it comes down. It goes up and it comes down. <laughs> it's a pathetic piece of crap. But at least my real estate doesn't do that because I have four returns, not one. I'm watching this yo-yo happen with this stupid Shiba. Shiba Inu. Yeah. But my real estate doesn't do that. It just kind of keeps going north, slow and steady, boring. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing I can say about that coin I bought is that it's it's anything but boring. I mean, it's exciting. Some days I'm like, <laughs> wow, that, I'm glad I didn't buy any more of it. It's just, I don't like that ride. Listen, if you like that kind of a ride, great. What Heather and I are talking about is not for you. Yeah. Because this stuff is kind of boring unless, of course, you have a pipe burst. And then yeah, even that, like I make some calls and even as bad as it is, because this one actually is kind of bad, but even as bad as it is, I'm not even there. Yeah. There's people who are dealing with it on my behalf. That's true. And the worst possible case scenario in a situation like that is my fire story where you just don't have any insurance and $1.4 million is burning down while you're standing in there. I mean, it just doesn't get much worse than that. And it still turned out okay. Or exciting. I don't like that kind of excitement. Maybe that's super fun. (laughs) All right. We've belabored the point. Folks, there's four returns. Stacking those returns is crazy when you actually sit down and look at it. And I don't care what numbers you put in there. When you stack all four, you're going to hit double digits. Yep. Unless you do something really wrong on the front end. Yeah. If you don't follow the rules, I'm sure. Just follow the rules. You'll be fine. All right. Yep. Over time. You guys want any more information on this or on any other, well, if anything to have to do with real estate investing, there's a ton of shows that you can listen to that we have. There will be more to come. And you can also reach out to us and we can help you individually invest at rpcinvest.com. Is that right, Heather? That is right. I think that's the first time I've done it and I did it right, everybody. I had to listen to Heather do it for 200 and some odd shows. (laughs) I just got it right. Well, I think one thing that people don't realize that we do on our real estate side is build out a plan. If you are listening and going, man, I've always wanted to do this. I mean, you probably listen to multiple podcasts about real estate. And if you have always wanted to do it and haven't pulled the trigger, you probably just need a plan and a plan of action to help you get there. Yeah. And somebody to help you out. That's literally what we do. Yeah. And we come on here every week and we do talk to you guys about how cool it is and we get real about it. And some of it's not as sexy as other pieces. But if you want help 
we can definitely help you out. Yeah, that's right. So reach out to us. And if you guys have any ideas for the show, let us know. We're all ears. Occasionally we get great ideas and then we come on here and we do them. So shout out to those of you who are participating. We love it when you guys participate. And with that, till next week, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.